This is Dan Eaton. I'm a reporter at Columbus Business First, and this is Newsmakers, a podcast with Central Ohio leaders and decision makers. Eric Jankuski is CEO of Matrix Meats, a startup formed in 2019 by local-based eCove startup nursery and nanofiber solutions. It's literally helping to build cultivated meat. What is cultivated meat? I'll let Jankuski explain that in a moment. But if successful, it could have big implications down the road on issues like world hunger and food security. And it's all happening right here in Dublin. Jankuski talks about Matrix's origins, how he came to the business, and why the problem they're solving isn't a biological one, but rather a material science one. When might consumers get a taste of Matrix's work? And why Central Ohio already is on its way to being a hub for alternative food production? Listen in to find out why. Thanks. Let's start with that background. Tell me about uh, Matrix Meats. So Matrix Meats was born of a joint venture between Nanofiber Solutions here in town and Ecove Startup Nursery. Together, they formed a company called EcoNano, and there's a number of companies utilizing the technology that Nanofibers uh, have developed over the last decade. And August of 2019, I had uh, started doing some uh, consulting work with uh, Ecove, and the opportunity arose after a conversation I had with, with Dr. Robert Lee, to, uh, who was the CTO at Ecove, we're looking at, at getting into this cultured, cultivated, clean, had all these different names for the industry. But as of, as of late, uh, the Good Food Institute has pretty much settled on cultivated meat. Uh, and he says, we, we, we want to see if you'd be interested in, in taking, taking this company on and, and running with this. And I was like, cultured meat? I don't even know what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> I was like what is that? So I said, well, let me, let me do a deep dive. So I, I, I I did some research into the space and the more I learned about it and the more I read, I said, wow, this is, this is really amazing because this, the industry is attempting, you know, to provide ethically and sustainably produced protein, you know, for the masses, uh, because we're going to run out of, out of uh, land for farming and, you know, deforestation that's occurring in the Amazon as an example is strictly almost exclusively for cattle raising. So the more I looked into, and I know my, I grew up in a farming community. I, I love farms. I love farmers. But the more I studied uh, traditional uh, cattle raising, et cetera, it's, it's a really, really incredibly inefficient process. For the, amount, for the amount of resources, inputs that go in to create that steak that you buy at Kroger or Giant Eagle, it's, it's almost... It's almost crazy. And I read an article here during the pandemic that, that said that the average steak travels a thousand miles in the United States from where the cow is to your supermarket shelf because of the processing and the whole process and the distribution. It travels a thousand miles, which is just like an incredible footprint when you think about it. So after investigating all that, I decided, all right, I want to get involved in this. Uh, this, you know, it's not every day that you get to get involved in something that, that has an impact literally on the entire world. So I got back with, with Dr. Lee and I said, yeah, I want to do this. So 
we we pretty much launched Matrix Meets in in uh, August of 2019. In October 2019, I attended the uh, International Scientific Conference on Cultured Meat. I mean, who even knew they had such a thing? And uh, and I was with with basically all the leaders, uh, the scientific leaders in the world, working that are that are that are working on this on this problem. And it was in Maastricht, Netherlands, and it was where that uh, back in I think 2014, 2015, there was a there was a hamburger that they that was created that was mm -hmm. cultivated. It was like three hundred fifty thousand dollar hamburger. Sir Richard Branson got behind it. <laughs> uh, some other some other big you know some other big names, but now it's it's uh, moving to where we're trying to scale it. So there's about eighty to ninety companies in the world that are doing cultivated meat. At Matrix Meats, we don't do any of the cultivation. What we do do is we custom design for particular cell lines, uh, particular species, et cetera, a scaffold or, or what is more formally known in scientific terms, the extracellular matrix. So all living organisms have an extracellular fibrous matrix, and that's what all the cells grow on. If you've ever seen that museum exhibit that's in different cities it's like in las vegas i think in atlanta you know uh, the human body where they mm -hmm. show the different layers so if you peel everything off all that's left is this fibrous uh, matrix and that's what the different cells grow on so we replicate that utilizing uh, both synthetic polymers that are fda approved uh, for con human consumption because they break down to mm -hmm. uh, to uh, basic compounds, or more recently, we're utilizing plant-based compounds to produce the scaffolds. So this way, we're vegan-friendly, and you know we meet all the you know we meet all the requirements of not continuing to do harm uh, to animals. So uh, myself and Jed Johnson, who's our CTO, who's also the co-founder of of Nanofiber Solutions, this is his you know brainchild. And, and we then went and we attended in November of 2019 CMS, which is Culture Meat Symposium out in San Francisco. And it was there that I really knew we had something because Jed and I had a conversation with the CTO of one of the top four companies in the space that's backed by pretty significant venture capital. And as Jed explained the technology and what we could do to this CTO, I just watched their facial expressions and I knew right then and there that, because this is somebody that's like dedicated their life to this and what, you know, what we were uh, doing was really, really important. Before we, we go ahead with some of that, what, um, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What were you doing prior to um, Cultured Me? I actually own another company mm -hmm in uh, Delaware called TJ Clark International. And we are manufacturers of uh, tactical fuel and water distribution systems for the okay. Department of Defense and the Department of State. And how I got involved with eCove was uh, they were looking for somebody uh, to you know, provide some insight into what, what we call dual use products, like a product that that uh, if they were looking at making an investment in a technology, as an example, you may make the investment if you knew there was also a market in the military. Yeah. So I had that military background experience. Uh, I've been working in defense for the last 25 plus years. 
28 years. And, that, and that, that's how I got involved with them. I still own the company. My son is uh, you know, running it day to day right, you know, right now as they focus on matrix meats. Gotcha. Now back to um, uh, cultivated meat. So is, would this be like, I, you know, I think the general public is familiar with, uh, you know, like Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger. Is this like that or, or is this segment even different, more different from, from the, what those folks are doing? So the overall segment is called alternative protein. That, mm -hmm. uh, and then, then there's two subcategories within alternative protein. One is plant-based, which is the Impossible Burger the Beyond Meat, uh, Morningstar, uh, et cetera. And then on the other hand, you have the cultivated meat or cultured meat or clean meat, but gotcha. cultivated meat. And that's where we're actually growing real meat. And not we, our customers are growing real meat. So we're actually working right now with companies that are uh, attempting to produce beef, pork, chicken, mm -hmm. fish, uh, crustaceans, insects, and, um, and milk, believe it or not. And we were able to provide scaffolds for all of those different types of, of uh, protein. Are any of these out on the market yet, or at least in a, in a small way, or is everything still at the kind of a lab testing stage? It's at a, they're all at R&D stage. Gotcha. There's only one country in the world currently that's allowing the sale of cultivated meat, and that's Singapore. Okay. Uh, a company called Just, which has a division called Good, is uh, selling chicken nuggets in Singapore in one restaurant. Gotcha. So that was the first, and that just happened. That was the, the first time where uh, the general public could walk in and, and order cultivated meat off of off of the menu. Here in the US, the FDA and the USDA are working with a number of the leading companies in the industry to develop the rules and regulations. There's a lot of pushback happening on the state level with cattlemen's associations yeah. uh, trying to uh, ensure that only a, a slaughtered animal can be called meat. That's not an argument that I want to get into today. <laughs> Cattlemen's Association is like six miles from where I'm sitting. Yeah. <laughs> <around> <laughs> 42. <laughs> so, but um, I, I think it's, it's going to be like many, many of the disruptions that have occurred over, over history, you know, mm -hmm. going from the horse-drawn buggy to the, to the combustion engine automobile, uh, different milestones in history like that where there is a, a, a disruption. But I also think that it's going to, you know, there's going to be other jobs. I, I can see a future where you walk into a Kroger as an example, and it looks pretty similar to what you see today, but it'll have two additional floors. It'll have in, in, the, in the second floor, they'll be, they'll be growing fruits and vegetables using hydroponics. And in the basement, they'll be growing their own meat. That's a possibility. Uh, and you dramatically shrink the logistics chain to be able to then produce, but, but somebody's going to have to run all that. So there's going to be other, other types of jobs that will be available for folks out there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I view the ability to cultivate meat and do it anywhere is a great, it's like the internet. It's a great equalizer. It will lead to eliminating food instability, especially in the third world. Mm -hmm. 
where you might have countries that are that are rather inhospitable for even raising cattle in the first place, that now they'll be able to grow their own meat and won't have to import. Uh, so, so I think there's a lot of benefits in addition to uh, just the environment and, and animal rights that will be realized with the ability to uh, grow meat. I mean, Winston Churchill in 1931 spoke on this and said that there will be a day where we will just grow the, the, the chicken wing, mm -hmm. you know, and we'll just eat the, the chicken breast. He understood the, back then, what was very, very new technology in terms of utilizing cells, et cetera, and growing cells. But he understood the, the long-term implications of it even back then. And it's, ta it's taken some time uh, for it to get into the consumption world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jed and, and his work, uh, you know, we go back, it goes back decades in terms of regenerative medicine and in that, in that space. So what the cultivated meat world is doing is not really incredibly novel. It's just a new application of, of these, of growing cells. Now, one of the challenges, and that's where we think we can help and why the venture capital firms that backed us, backed us, was that we, we will be able to help the companies actually create structured pieces of meat mm -hmm. that have all of the components that a slaughtered piece of meat has. You know, the fat, ligaments, tendons, everything that contributes to the, to the taste and the consistency and the texture, all, all those things are, will be available uh, utilizing our, our technology. How, um, you said there's, you know, 80, 90 companies out there working on, um, or groups out there working on uh, this type of product. How many people do what you do or are trying to do the, the sort of structure that, that scaffolding? Is that a, a, a very competitive space or, or are you fairly unique? Uh, we are the, we're, we're now the leader. <laughs> and uh, it's not very competitive going to become competitive. I, I always tell the joke way back, way back when in my econ 101 class in, in college, uh, the, the, the professor stood up at the, you know, in one of the classes and he said, if there's one thing you remember from these 15 weeks, <laughs> this is what I want you to remember. He goes, if you get a, if you got a good thing going, somebody's going to try to come along and ruin it, <laughs> you know, by competing against. So I, I suspect that we're going to see uh, competition popping up. A number of the companies themselves were trying to work on scaffolds, but mm -hmm. I think what was happening is most of these companies are, are run by biologists and we're material scientists. And the structure of the scaffold is really a material science challenge. It's not a biology challenge. And uh, understanding the physics and, and the manufacturing process of the, because we use a process called electrospinning to mm -hmm. manufacture the scaffold. Electrospinning is a industrial technology that's been in util, you know, utilized for decades. Um, already has the ability to scale, et cetera. There's numerous products that are manufactured at massive scale utilizing electrospinning. So the, the scaffold, uh, uh, we were able to pique everyone's interest because they realized, you know, Jed's got 15 years of uh, electrospinning and 10 years, 10 years uh, designing these with, you know, at nanofibers. So 
we we were able to uh, pique a lot of people's interest. And then once the uh, once uh, Unovis, uh, which was our our lead investor, they did their scientific due diligence on us and hired a couple of PhDs out of UCLA. Uh, Jed said he felt like he was, you know, doing his dissertation for a second time. Uh, they, ham you know, hammered him for two days and and uh, asked tons and tons of very detailed, you know, very good, solid questions because wanted to fully understand what we were able to do, and that that led to us being able to close the round and 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 bring in the other the other partners like CPT and City and and Clear Current. Uh, they all they're all very passionate about advancing cult, uh, cultivated meat uh, and, and advancing this industry. They're all social impact investors. So their, their main goal is to, is to uh, advance this industry. And they saw us as a technology that would enable the entire industry. And that's why it was important to invest. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a nice transition to, uh, to the recent news and the reason we, we connected. Um, what will this investment do for the business? Uh, well, we're, we're starting to uh, scale up our operations. We're in the process of hiring uh, different folks. We're, we're actually looking for a food scientist, an, op uh, an operations manager, and then some other folks. We, have, uh, we were lucky enough to, to get involved with the state of Ohio with the, uh, with the internship program. We have several, several college students that are, that are interning with us right now. And uh, we're going to be building out our scientific and uh, R&D team as, as well as our, our manufacturing capacity. Right now we're working with, we're up to 18 companies out of the, in the space that we're working with. So we almost have, you know, we have 20, 25% market share right now. Yeah. Right now, you know, not everybody in the space will utilize a scaffold. If they're making, I mean, they could, but there are, there, there are, it is possible to produce like minced meat or, or, you know, meat like hamburger or uh, packing for a sausage without having to have a scaffold. If you want to have a structured piece of meat, uh, the scaffold is the way, you know, the way to go. And we, we were lucky actually last summer, University of Pennsylvania Medical Center did a research study uh, funded by the Department of Defense for volumetric muscle loss. So if a soldier was injured due to a blast and part of their muscle was was uh, blown away or or uh, had to be removed surgically for whatever reason uh, the department of defense wanted to know could we regrow muscle and then and then reinsert it into the body and the university of pennsylvania medical center successfully did that with mice but what it did is they utilized our scaffolds actually and what it did is it proved the concept because a chicken breast is a muscle mm -hmm. and and all your so they proved that you could build a a structured volumetric uh, piece of muscle, and and that was uh, so for us that was like the you know some really really fantastic news because it validated what we already knew we could do, uh, but it validated it from a very reputable <laughs> institution. Uh, do you have a sense for when the general public may be able to? to experienced some of this. I know obviously there's a lot of factors at play in, uh, <laughs> from government uh, on down to, uh, to production, but uh, do you have a sense for, for when uh, some folks may be able to see some of this stuff, whether it's yours or, or other companies work out on the market? 
I think, uh, well, the companies that we're working with, uh, we have uh, most of the companies we're working with are outside of the United States mm -hmm. at present. And they're, we're working with companies on every continent except for South America and uh, Antarctica. <laughs> but I, I think that you'll see by the end of 2022 or definitely sometime by mid-2023, uh, in different jurisdictions in the world. It all depends here in the US on how fast the USDA and FDA moves. Hybrid products, which might be a combination of plant-based and some cultivated meat mm -hmm. content, I think could be available by by the end of this year or, or mm -hmm. early next year if the USDA and the would, you know, would, would, would get however they want to regulate the industry out there. Uh, other more what I would say more progressive jurisdictions in the world like a Singapore. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you, you might see like the UAE, like Dubai as an example, mm -hmm. uh, approve, approve the use of cultivated meat. Uh, Japan, uh, one, of the, one of the major companies in the space, Aleph Farms just signed a deal with Mitsubishi uh, to produce their meat product that they're working on in Japan. And I would, I would suspect since Mitsubishi is on board with that, the Japanese government would, would probably be following suit to allow the sale of, of, of that meat product in their country. So I think that's the big, the biggest issue is, uh, is going to be the regulatory, the, the, the curve, the development curve is, is, is quickly accelerating. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the pr products will be out there. Uh, there's a company called Mission Barns that, that just had a tasting of their bacon in San Francisco uh, that you could taste for free if you got invited. It was a little bit bef right before everything got shut down with the pandemic. But uh, unfortunately, that has slowed, slowed us a little bit because a lot of, a lot of, the, a lot of our uh, customers' labs were shut down because of the countries they were in, et cetera. Uh, you know, we're hopeful now that we have the vaccines, although I was just reading an article that AstraZeneca is not able to produce the vaccines at the levels that they had promised all the governments. <laughs> They're cutting, so they, they cut Norway back by 80%. Uh, as one example, most of the countries are getting, are getting cut, cut back, but hopefully the vaccine gets out, people, you know, people take it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I mean, last night, I saw Reuters, uh, you know, said that it was a 21% drop in the last week in the United States in cases, which that's the, that's like pretty, pretty dramatic. So hopefully that trend continues and by summer we can have some, some semblance of normalcy again. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, Eric, can you think of anything I haven't asked you about? Again, just wanted to kind of get a little bit, uh, a better understanding of what you're working on and what this recent investment means, a little bit of your history, the company's history. I think we covered all that. Can you think of anything else? You know, for me personally, it's not, you know, it's not every day, like, you know, like with my company. Yeah, my, my company, uh, TJ Clark, you know, will at any given time, our products will affect the lives of maybe a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. You know, other products out there can touch, but this is literally something that this technology and working with the protein companies uh, that are producing the meats, it literally affects every person on the planet. And if we can positively uh, impact climate change and, and animal rights, it's it's something you just don't get to get involved with on a daily basis. You know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's like literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. 
you know, that's why I jumped on it. Uh, I, I joke sometimes that, you know, with some of the folks that, uh, you know, in my obituary after the first three or four cents where it talks about my loving family and everything, it'll say I was a pioneer in alternate protein. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and right here, you know, right here in little Columbus, Ohio, um, mm-hmm. I think Columbus, Ohio is, is on the verge of a lot of great uh, things in terms of technologies. And, and I'd like to think that we're going to help usher in maybe some food tech mm-hmm. uh, in addition to, you know, obviously insurance tech is, is, is you know, is, is big in, big in Columbus, but I was talking with, we're, we're located on Blazer Parkway in Dublin mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, Troy Ballerson, Congressman Ballerson's uh, district. Mm-hmm. And, and I told his chief of staff that, that his district now has us good catch over in mm-hmm. Heath yep. and Morningstar in Zanesville. So like his district is, 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 has, a, has probably a higher concentration of alternative protein companies <laughs> than, than uh, anywhere outside of the Bay Area. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome that we're able to utilize Ohio's resources here and the technology, I mean, I mean, you know, Jed's and you know, we're all Ohio State alums, and and it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome that we can stay right here and help help make a positive impact on the world. And I, I try to tell people they need to stop looking at the Bay Area and Boston and New York, and and look, you know, look here to the to the middle middle of the country. There's great things happening. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to, uh, to end on, Eric. I really appreciate your time. One last point. Uh, because of that, the EcoNano partnership, one company in, that, in the seven that have come out of that, that partnership uh, moved to California. The burn rate for that company is equal to all the rest of the companies combined located here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. because of the cost of doing business in California, you know, real estate, salaries, uh, co- you know, co- everything, everything that's, you know, taxes. It's mm-hmm. just unbelievable what their monthly burn is. One of our customers, I tried to convince one of the co-founders was from here in Ohio and they mm-hmm. moved to the Bay area because they thought they needed to be there. And yeah. I tried to tell them, you don't have to be in the Bay area. I mean, look, our, our investors are from London, Amsterdam, New York city, and, and Florida. Uh, so it's like, you, you know, look, they, they obviously don't have a problem investing if you have a good technology, <laughs> if you're located in Columbus, Ohio, you Absolutely. know? So, I mean, I, I, I don't want to live anywhere else because I want to be able to go to Buckeye games. So hopefully go. next year we'll be able to do it again. <laughs> and, you, and you know, and that's that, you know, you can't replicate that elsewhere. Right. Be exactly. here for it. So, so good. Amen. All right, Eric. Uh, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Like, uh, like I said, right, I'll let you know if you have any other yeah. questions. Otherwise, you have a good one. Thanks. Right. Talk soon.